Hello, and welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts. It's a show about how everything is posting. My name is Hussein. My name is Phoebe. Uh, and this week, we are going back in time to look at the greatest posters in history. Uh, we're joined by Patrick Wyman, who is the host of the Tides of History podcast, author of The Verge, Reformation, Renaissance, and the 40 Years That Shook the World, and perhaps most importantly, one of the co-hosts of the recent Rome series that Phoebe did with Milo very recently. Patrick, how's it going? It is going fantastic. I am so excited to be here and talk about posters in history. This is a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, well, I was I was going to say, like, the starting point for this, actually, weirdly enough, was that thread that you did about, like, all the posters of history, which... Um, <laughs> And I was just, and I was just reading. I was just like, yeah, it's so true. And it's and it's and it's cool that. So we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna talk about a poster that you and Phoebe know a lot more intimately than I do. Um, but nonetheless, I had a very good time reading some of his letters. We are going to be talking about Cicero. Um, I wrote a little intro. Please forgive me if I got any of this wrong. Um, Cicero, the full name Marcus Tullius Cicero. Yeah, that's. Um, right. yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. No. Well, a lot. Roman statesman, lawyer, scholar, who uh, vainly tried to uphold the Republican principles in the final civil wars that destroyed the Roman Republic. His writings include books of rhetoric, orations, philosophical and political treatises, letters, and he's remembered in modern times as the greatest, quote, greatest Roman orator and innovator of what would become the Ciceronian rhetoric. Um, I hope that was all right, to, to which I will say, Pat, as someone who has studied this in much more detail. Um, could you please talk to us about who Cicero was and perhaps like the context that Cicero was writing in? Yeah, so Cicero is the most influential Latin language author whose work has survived. He was incredibly influential in antiquity, but more important, he was really influential for all of the um, Latin enthusiasts who followed in what we think of as the Renaissance, the early modern period, up up into and through the Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. Cicero was the model for what good Latin style was. He was the model for how to do philosophy, and he was a model for what a statesman was supposed to be. So. The idea that a statesman was supposed to be somebody who had, um, you know, a background in philosophy, who who um, had a background in law, who understood kind of the institutions and the and the broader philosophical questions that went along with a political life, all of that. Um, uh, Cicero seemed to embody that. Uh, now, as far as Cicero's actual context to separate him from his impacts down the road, like Cicero, quite literally one of the most influential posters of, of all time. Mm -hmm. um, he, I mean, he's right up there. It's like Cicero and Martin Luther are probably the top two in the in the in what we would think of as the Western tradition. Mm -hmm. um, but in Cicero's actual context, he lived through some really interesting times. He lived through the mm -hmm. what we think of as the late Republic. Um, so the end of the Roman Republic, the, the years of um, Sulla, uh, then Caesar, then the, for, uh, then the second triumvirate. Um, and he met his end shortly Shortly after Caesar's demise, at the hands of Mark Antony, um, one of the oh, one of the uh, members of the Second Triumvirate, um, memorably played in the Rome TV series by James Purifoy, uh, mm -hmm. one of the all-time best roles and performances uh, that that has ever existed. Uh, but Cicero was kind of a man of all parts. He embodied a lot of. Um, what was thought to be important in late Republican Rome. Um, but he did that while having an incredible ego. So just an absolute sense of himself as embodying those things. So mm. separating Cicero's sense of himself as um, as the embodiment of these things from the kind of broader cultural expectations around that and what people thought of Cicero is kind of hard. Like there's a lot of people who hated him just absolutely despised him for a whole bunch of reasons that were mostly good reasons. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of good reasons to dislike Cicero uh, on account of everything from his style to his politics to um, the legal cases he chose to, to work on um, to, above all, just his overinflated sense of, of himself, uh, like is real lot of self-regard there. Um, so it, it makes him a really interesting character to explore, I mean, kind of what posting is in the late Republic and why it mattered, because it did matter mm -hmm. a lot, mm -hmm. um, but also kind of this whole really confused, violent, turbulent political world. I mean, it, the most of what we know about the late Republic and about what aristocrats did and about how politics worked outside kind of the major core events comes from Cicero. Um, like our understanding of what the late Republic is, is 
is is inextricably tied to the things that Cicero wrote, which have survived in massive quantities, far greater than any other late Republican author. Um, so really hard to overstate his importance um, and also really hard to overstate how important he thought he was. Absolutely. Mm. I think that's a, I think that's an excellent accounting. Um, it's it's really interesting. Uh, that he gets described as this brilliant statesman and as the ideal statesman, because actually as a politician he was pretty ineffective. He didn't really, uh, he didn't really get anything he wanted to uh, wanted to get done. Um, he staked everything in the end. Well, he posted himself to death. He staked everything on um, on an attempt to kind of uphold the principles upon which he uh, upon which he founded his. Uh, uh, his work sort of right, sort of right towards the end, and uh, and it and it and it did him in. And he was he was advised to maybe dial it back a little, just, uh, dial it back a little, a little bit with his um, with his public attacks on on Mark Antony. And I don't, I don't know if he really possibly could have imagined that. It would have that they would have had any effect. He, I think, he really sort of thought, well, no, this is, this is what, this is what I am able to do. I can, I can. He, he sort of tried to debate me, bro, Anthony, who, who, who at this, who at this point is, <laughs> um, who at this point is, um, is one of the kind of remaining triumvirs after after the death of after the death of Caesar. Um, and he is he's getting he's getting on with with cleaning house and he's getting on with uh, with with taking revenge on on uh, on on the uh, on the conspirators who who, mur- who murdered Caesar. And even though Cicero is not somebody who held the knife, um, he is de- he is definitely somebody who would have been who would have been deemed to be uh, deemed to be, you know, behind uh, behind the blade. And his other big gigantic error was observing the young Octavian who became the Emperor Augustus and completely dismissing him as a potential political actor and as a potential political threat. So actually, Cicero's instincts, not great. His political instincts, really not great. And even even his greatest political accomplishment during his consulship, um, one of the most famous things he wrote is this uh, this text called In Catalinum against Catiline, um, and uh, Cicero uncovered what he what he stated was a conspiracy to destroy the republic led by this guy Catiline. Um, so. So Cicero, as consul, is responsible for putting down um, what he's describing as an insurrection. He gives the he gives this really famous speech, uh, and um, then in the end, Catiline and his followers are summarily executed. Mm. Um, Cicero portrays himself as the hero for having done this. For he he says, "I've saved the republic from this awful conspiracy," um, and that's kind of the version that that is most often taught, but there was a distinct alternative stream of thinking at the time about what Catiline was doing and about Cicero's actions. Mm. And Cicero actually gets exiled after having done this because he put Roman citizens to death without a trial, Mm -hmm. which is a huge no-no. Can't do that. Not allowed. Um, Deeply frowned upon. Um, So even Cicero's great quote-unquote accomplishment is not viewed as such by all or even most of his contemporaries. Mm -hmm. Um, the, so there's this real mixed legacy in terms of what Cicero, like, like in, in a really important way, Cicero sets a recent precedent for the kinds of actions that become commonplace in, during the civil wars, um, in terms of executing citizens without trial, like that's Cicero is is following in the footsteps of the tyrants who came before and laying the groundwork for the tyrants who come after, despite being totally opposed to that in his rhetoric. So mm-hmm. there's this real uncomfortable, strange kind of dynamic between Cicero's actual actions in the, the the one time that he has power and what he thinks he's doing or what he says people ought to be doing in positions of power. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting little dynamic. It makes him an interesting um, shithead of a character. It, re- it really, really <laughs> does. And also um, one of the, one of the things that was sort of noted by his contemporaries is that the, is that the, the case that, that brought him to prominence. His first, his first big kind of oratorial triumph um, was a case that he argued against a against a governor called Veres, who um, who was going around executing executing Roman citizens, uh, executing them by 
crucifixion, which you weren't supposed to do, um, which was uh, which was why um, who was it? One of the one of the big saints that had his head chopped off and wasn't crucified because he was, was it St. Paul? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. St. Paul. So he was a Roman citizen, so he couldn't be crucified. Jesus wasn't a, Ro- wasn't a Roman citizen, so could be. It was, I, I, presumably, if you were going to be, if you were going to be kind of hor- sort of horribly executed, presumably the difference was academic, but it was, it was a big, it was a big deal. You couldn't go around crucifying Roman citizens. And this is what Verres was going around doing. And, there is, and this is this is this is Cicero's first big first big blog, his first big blog post, and it's got this, um, and it's got this refrain in it where um, where it has the uh, the uh, the condemned man saying, "I repeatedly, I am a Roman citizen," um, and this like this really really you know that this, this really kind of got to the people who were kind of who were who were de- who were deci- who were deciding the case and it kind of, and it, and, it, and it made and it made Cicero's career um and then more or less the first thing he does uh during his during his consulate is he is he does something very very similar um and come and he uh therefore kind of bumps up against this against this guy called Clodius who is who's one of my favorite he's one of my favorite republican guys he is and got to be said another poster <laughs> L- uh, he is he is he is a fast he is a fascinating individual um well worth looking up to read about some of his his exploits and it was him who who uh it was him who exiled Cicero wasn't it, it was Clodius that yeah, because he was because didn't he? What, this was when Clo- Clodius is legit one of the most fascinating characters of the of the the whole Republic, but especially the late Republic. Mm. Not least because we only basically know him through his enemies. So everything we know about Clodius is through the lens of people who just hated the shit out of him. Yeah, <laughs> and it, but he's an incredibly important character. He does all of these fascinating things, like. He's born into the most patrician of patrician families, the Clodii, the, the Clodii, and has himself adopted into a plebeian family so that he can become a tribune. Mm. Um, and I believe it was in his capacity as a tribune that he gets Cicero exiled. Am, is, I, yeah. am I right? Yeah, yeah, okay, no, it, so. is, it is. He, uh, he, passes, he, passes a, he passes a series of, of laws. I think they were concerning land ownership. And uh, there were, there were functionally sumptuary laws around land ownership, but it was very, very clear that they were directed towards Cicero, who at that point um, had started kind of buying up property, kind of up and down the Palatine. So Clodius was Clodius sort of sort of sort of sort of way in um, to express his enmity towards um, towards Cicero. One of the very first of Cicero's many important enemies, many important uh, beasts, um, because this is this is the because honestly, because we could because we could talk we could talk so much about Cicero. We could talk about his um, his fixation on the institution on the institutions of the Roman Republic. We could talk about his interest in the law. We could talk about his conception of liberty, which is a very very interesting and quite unusual conception of liberty in a kind of political philosophical sense. He. Cicero believed in the concept of natural law, that there is mm. a thing called the law, and it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what the location is, what the context is. There is this thing called the law, which is kind, which has its own interior logic. It is because it is. And the liberty of the individual is to follow the law as has been set down by precedent and by the institutions and by and by the, the and by the and by the codes, and this is like and this is the center of his attacks later his later attacks on Antony. It this is what this is what he's got. He starts a lot because a lot of the Philippics, which is his big another big another big post, another big text, huge post, huge huge post that he reads out that he'll read out to anyone who'll listen. Um, it's about which is about Mark Antony. Um, the center of it is. Uh, about the the laws and the institutions of the Roman Republic, which go back to the twelve tables, and this is so fascinating. I think I think it's fascinating because I am very very cool. Um, the twelve tables is um, a very 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 old Roman law code. We only have it in fragments. It is uh, it is functionally. Um, it's functionally a law code for a quite undeveloped, smallish agrarian 
society like there are whole kind of sections of there are whole sections of the law code which is about which is it's about stuff like how many pounds of chains you are allowed to wrap up someone who owes you money in like there's a kind of whole section on like debtors chains like that's the that's the vibe of the law code but by cicero's period so so several so several centuries later it has taken on this um it has taken on this kind of cultural object it's taken on this kind of this this kind of um this this sort of sort of veneer of um of a kind of site of institutional um perfection it's it's what it's what we look to it's what we it's what we obey it is the, it's the, it's our it's our constitution and even though it wasn't used in any kind of appreciable or meaningful way by this period it was still cited as the kind of the as the kind of like a, like a kind of 10 commandments honestly i think there's an argument that the 12 tables is the first roman post that it's it's definitely up there the and the 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 kind of attitude that you're talking about that late republican folks had toward the 12 tables and kind of archaic rome more generally is part of it was one of the reasons why it's really hard to study archaic rome yeah <laughs> um, and early republican rome is because it's like imagine trying to study the the glorious revolution of 1688 um purely through the posts of 21st century conservatives. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's basically what you're trying to do. You're trying to, you're trying to untangle, you know, their, their like their bullshit from the actual historical reality that underlies it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it makes it really difficult. But the, the, I mean, like one of the core things here is that Cicero is really deeply conservative and his mm-hmm. conception of as, as all uh, late Republican aristocrats are. This is a deeply conservative society in in the vast majority of ways that actually count. And the but Cicero's conception of natural liberty or of natural law and of the liberty that goes along with that ends up being incredibly influential for literally thousands of years mm-hmm. to come yeah. all the way up through and past the Enlightenment in large part because it's deeply appealing to conservative thinkers. Mm. Um, so the, like, it, it's not a, it's not surprising that like Cicero's conception of these things is hugely influential on like the American planter class mm. in the 18th and 19th centuries, because, you know, they've got a slave owning aristocrat with aspirations to philosophical grandeur. Like you're telling me that there's a guy that I can just, I can just read his posts and he'll justify <laughs> my worldview. This is great. This is amazing. We love, we, we love this. Um, we have a really good um, analog for this, uh, for how difficult it is to study archaic Rome in the UK, which is trying to, uh, trying to study the Magna Carta just through the posts of people who who really don't want to pay parking fees so like imagine <laughs> like, so like imagine those guys but you only know about the magna carta from their um shaky understanding shall we say so we only know yeah we only really know about archaic rome well we know we know about some of it from livy but um livy's sources um are a little bit are a little bit troublesome for one reason or another, Livy, another poster. There are just t- too Huge many. Poster. They just like this is like th- like Rome was the posting civilization. I think mm-hmm. I have like a very basic well, well in terms of like a framing question, which I guess yeah. like we talk about in the context of like every historical poster that has come mm-hmm. up so far. I guess my question to both of you is. Like what constitutes a post in 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 late Rome at this point? And like the reason I sort of say that is just because like obviously the way that we kind of under have understood it, um, even like I guess even if like the Martin Luther episode is like, okay, like part of its posting quality is like it as like a physical object and like a reproducible object and something that is distributed. Obviously in Rome, uh that doesn't have like it kind of is transfer. Well, I guess part from I, I was wondering whether what makes him a poster and what makes him doing posts is it the element of the oratory and just the fact that he's very good as an orator or is it more the idea that like he has taken ideas and correct again correct me if i'm wrong but he's also like one of the first people to translate these hellenic ideas into latin and like and so like we did like the orative the orative distribution kind of makes or makes it constitute a post i don't know mm. does that make sense so it's, it's multimedia posting um, the oratory. <laughs> it, it, no, it, or, or, it, it is. It, it is. It is. It literally, it's literally what it is. Like it's the best way of describing it. 
Yeah. So it, it goes in, it goes, there are multiple media. So oratory is the big one, right? So right. when with these texts that we have, like the Philippics, like the in Catalinum, um, even mm-hmm. the, even the legal, uh, even, even Cicero's um, uh, legal oratory, right? These, these were at one point delivered in some version as oratory, as speeches, right? So these, so that's one way in which these, the, the, the lines are circulating, they're getting out there. These people are becoming famous as posters. So there is an, there is a live audience for that, but there are also written versions that circulate. So after they, after these orators give the speech, they then go back and they edit and they, you know, they, they make it sound better. They make it sound wittier. um, And then they circulate copies of these through their literary circles in Rome. Um, sometimes they get posted a little more widely. Like you, like if there's a particularly good set of lines, you might, you know, nail those to a door somewhere. Um, but they also, uh, the most memorable lines from them, the real bangers uh, are sometimes written down as graffiti, right? Mm-hmm. So you would, you would just see a random line from a really great well-known speech scrawled up somewhere. Um, so so ro- that's part of what makes Rome a, an interesting multimedia environment for posters is that there are a lot of different ways for this stuff to get around. Mm-hmm. So you don't just have to be there listening to Cicero in the law courts to hear the uh, to hear kind of the quality of the oratory. Y- you can really get out there. But but Rome is a society. It, there's it's highly, especially in the city of Rome, it's there. It's it's pretty highly literate mm. by the standards of the ancient world. Literacy is really pretty widespread, um, but there are also a lot of opportunities for oratory. Uh, it's it's one of the expected things if you're a late Republican aristocrat. You got to be able to give a speech. Um, some are better at it than others, but everybody has to be able to do it at at a basic level. And the major the major venues for making political things happen in the late Republic are disproportionately oriented around posting either orally or in, or in written form. So there's this big speakers platform in the forum called the Rostra. Uh, and that's where you go to give a speech. You're giving speeches in the Senate. The legal profession is basically oration. Um, if you're hired to prosecute or defend, both of those things involve oration. But then there's this whole subworld of the written circulation of those speeches that goes along with that. Mm. Which is yeah, which is which is which is very very important. And I think it's also important mm. to note um, how significant the the literacy was in 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 the in in the city. I mean, right, um, Cicero was not especially interested in whether or not things were kind of making their way out into the Italian countryside, uh, which is again another sort of is sort of another kind of important point. Um, Cicero is Cicero is from a he's from a well off family. He's from he's from a class who are called the Equites, who are the they are the class down from the senatorial class. So they're so he so if if we insist on um on projecting contemporary framings onto the past, I'd rather we didn't, but if we insist, if we insist, I'm <laughs> fine with calling him a poster. I think that's fine because he literally just was. <laughs> he invented posting. Um actually no, he didn't invent posting. Hammurabi invented posting. Hammurabi <laughs> is the first poster with his, you know, again, law codes. I think that it would be interesting to do an episode about about law codes as posts because the twelve the law code of the twelve tables was also was was also a post. It was it was physically written down and was physically carved into boards um, and displayed and displayed also on also on the rostra for people for people to kind of go and look at and to and to go and consult. And that's sort of one of the and that's one of the one of the ways that it turned into this kind of. Sort of item and repository and sort of lodestone of um, kind of what it meant to be a kind of Roman civic actor, and this is and this is why the kind of the the the, the big Roman posters were so incredibly fixated on it because this was something that they wanted to kind of that they wanted to kind of invest their own their own work with um, with the kind of with the meaning um, with the meaning of the past um, with the uh, uh, how do you say it? With the um, with the legitimacy of the past, because they were because in this period, bearing in mind that this period, it's it is a substantially it's a substantial period of upheaval, of serious violence, of wars, of um, 
of various um of various kind of grain issue grain issues there's always grain issues they love having grain issues to the, to the romans it's like the, it's like the whole thing like you know what you will pay the price if you're a fussy eater that's just i think that's just how you how you got to look at look at that but it's an incredibly violent and it's an incredibly um and it's a cr- incredibly kind of tumultuous time and yet you've still got these this group of people who were just absolutely insisting um that things must be kept the same as the past even when they're kind of renewing um this in the kind of in these kind of contemporary contexts and it does and it does mean that uh, that cicero <laughs> and his and his contemporaries have to do quite a lot of interesting contortions in order to say we are functionally we are the men of rome we are the same men of rome who followed the law code of the 12 tables who went up who went up the hills we are the sons of romulus we're the sons of remus um and this and this is who we are and this is how we do things apart from now when we're doing okay right right fine admittedly this is a bit different but this is fine as long as we can find some way of kind of lacquering over um the vocabulary both like the kind of the visual vocabulary and the cultural and the social and the descriptive vocabulary of the past so this is this is caesar's big mistake that he that he isn't smart enough to um to say to to do what his um, what his adopted son Augustus later does, which is say, oh no, I'm not the I'm not the main guy. I'm just the first citizen. I'm just like any of you. I'm a, I'm 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 just a consul. No, admittedly, like you know, challenging me does does mean does mean death, and it does mean you know seizing mm-hmm. your property. But I'm just I'm just you know I'm just a, I'm just a lovely little farmer's boy it's like it's like trump it's like trump with his kind of i'm just a regular guy i'm just a regular guy who you'd like to have a beer with um which is a kind of which is a, again a really kind of significant sort of aspect of the last i would say like the last like 50 years of like republican presidents that there has to be, despite the fact these people are from these kind of from these rich families and from these kind of you know unimaginable lineages growing up in this unimaginable privilege, but they still have to put over that they're just a that they're just an ordinary guy, and it's very very similar to how the big Roman posters are kind of are going are going are going around really. Um, all right, can we talk a bit about Cicero's? big beefs oh a hundred percent yeah a hundred percent i mean let's talk about them he had he had so many oh before sorry before before we do that i'd quite like to categorize cicero as like the type of poster that he is because i actually think as you like so rightly state pat that he's that he you know he's operating in a multimedia environment and i think he's actually also quite a um quite a diverse poster as well so uh he's got he he does his zingers so he's got he's got his you know he's got his his sort of twitter following he's also a forum guy um Mm. his like his in his like his like interest in um preserving the institutions um and it's preserving the institutions against Against the kind of the idea of like the idea of uh, of sort of dictatorialism, he's kind of the he's the he's the ultimate is the ultimate moderate is Cicero. He's very he's very very into the idea that Rome is the perfect system because of its mixed constitution. So there are this there are the checks and balances which prevent any one group from becoming too powerful. So he's he's really happy about that. Yeah, and there's so. The key to understanding Cicero's view of the Republic is that in Cicero's ideal Republic and the one that he thinks is supposed to exist is one in which people like Cicero get to be powerful. 
this is this is the core thing that like Cicero doesn't want to live in a world in which people like Mark Antony get to run the Republic because he thinks Mark Antony is a brutish piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Cicero not wants incorrectly. To... <laughs> this not is incorrectly. Not, like, this is not this is not a wrong assessment. No, he's, he's absolutely not wrong about that. But like Cicero wants to live in a Republic and thinks that the Republic is supposed to be a, pl- a, a place in which and a system in which people like him are the ones who hold power mm. um, and are making the decisions because of their intelligence, because of their learning, because of their their command of statecraft, because of their understanding of the law, and because of their respect for the traditions that animate the Republic. Mm-hmm. Right? This is this is what uh, this is Cicero's kind of core idea for how it's supposed to work. I mean, the irony of this is like Cicero's brother, also a poster, also yep. a poster. Um, it wrote a uh, wrote a really kind of underhanded guide to electioneering in Rome, like how to win an election. That is just like it, it's it's deeply the the contrast between the idealism of Cicero's work and his belief in himself as being like this you know, you know this kind of idealized figure and the electioneering guide that his brother wrote which is all about yeah no you got to bribe the people like if you want to get elected you've got to just give them stuff mm. like this is how this is how this whole thing works it's really it, the contrast between those things is is so funny because mm. Cicero is never going to admit to the kind of dirtiness that infected late Republican politics. Um, that's that's not his vibe. But clearly, if his brother's writing this and Cicero did get elected, he had to have been aware of how things actually worked. Mm. Um, but yeah, what Cicero wants, a, Cicero wants a republic in which people like Cicero are in charge. And that's what he's fighting for because Cicero, above all, is convinced of his own goodness and importance. Mm. Um <laughs> And and true the poster. wrongness of everyone else. A true, yeah. po- a true, po- a true poster. Um, a, a I true actually, poster. Re- I actually remember what I was going to say before I got distracted talking about um, talking about veneers of legitimacy. Um, he he is kind of he is operating around uh, around people who are from these very kind of ancient aristocratic families, mm-hmm. and he has like, he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder about about this and he is very very keen to align himself with um with the roman aristocracy and he is not exactly keen to kind of reject his upbringing because like i said he is not he's not he's not a kind of kind of little kind of little lad from the countryside who's you know just so happens to i mean he's not kind of he's not sort of thomas he's not sort of thomas wolsey um or anything, or, or, sort of, or anyone like that. That's yeah, not. The, his, am I thinking? Is that? Is I'm. Am I yeah, thinking of no, Thomas Wolsey? Yeah, you are. You are. Yeah, you yeah. are. You absolutely are. Yeah. Cicero's Cicero's father was wealthy and important enough to have participated in politics, but he had some kind of disability mm. that that rendered him unable or unfit to do so. So it's not like. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's not like he's from a, a family of nobodies, but but he he does lack ancestors who have been important yeah. political figures. So he's what they they call. A novus homo, a new a new man. Mm. Um, he's got to make his name for himself, and that's why he turns. Mm. That that's why the law is such a is such a valuable uh, entry point for Cicero into yeah. politics, is because it allows him to make a name for himself on the basis of his posting talents. Mm. So he posts his way into politics in the first place, and the the posting is both the rise and the de- is both responsible for his rise and eventually his downfall. Mm. Yeah. Um, and he's and he's yeah he's he's very keen to align himself with this, but he also sees um, kind of not just respect but a lot of devotion to the kind of the concepts of like the law and the republic. He sees it as a um, not an equalizer because he again he has no particular interest in kind of ordinary people and having any kind of any kind of um, any kind of say. He sees it as he sees it as um, he sees it as a corrective to um the occasional kind of fail sons of the aristocracy quite a, a fair few of whom some of whom he respects very greatly and some and some of whom he um he despises um so one i mean one of the things that he so particularly hates about clodius is that he is from this ancient family and he deliberately um goes around giving it like calling him like calling himself by a kind of by a sort of plebeized version of his family name um and he and sort of cicero just he cannot understand why somebody with with this um 
with this connection to the kind of glorious Roman past, why, why they would possibly want to be kind of want to be shaking that off and kind of, you know, and hanging and, and, hang, and hanging around in taverns and brothels, which is what, Clod- what Clodius liked to do. So he saw he saw not just the law, but the but the um, as you said, he, people like him making the decisions as a method of um, correcting some of the regrettable failures in the fact that the aristocracy was not always sending their best. He would ne- he would never ever think of himself as a as, as a as a popularist. He was he wanted to be an he was an optima- he was an optimist. That's what he wanted to be. Again, we don't have that much time, so we could get into a discussion about like what that means. But I don't know. Uh, um, maybe may, like maybe maybe another time because it's sort of quite it's sort of um, it's <laughs> yeah. sort of one of those. Um, it's sort well. It's honestly, it's not so different from the term populism now. It means different things when wielded by different people and in different contexts. It's very, very rarely a compliment. It's very, very rarely something that people would self-declare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a, this deep fear of anything new, and among the aristocracy, there's a deep fear of <clears throat> the uh, the the power of the people. And Cicero is very much on the side of the um, kind of old school aristocrats who believe that there is a correct way to do things, and that does not involve the people making all or or the most any, important decisions. Any, any, yeah, decision. really, any decisions at all. Like, and this is this, and this is the this is the origin of um, of his attacks on on Catiline. It wasn't just it wasn't just that. I mean, he he claimed that the issue was that there was a conspiracy to destroy the republic. But part of Catiline's proposals involved um, bringing ordinary people more into kind of more into kind of civic participation. I mean, people tend to get a bit overexcited about Cat- about Catiline, and they tend to get a little bit kind of oh, you know, he was interested in wealth redistribution. He, he like he like, he wasn't like that's just that's dumb. Um, but he was he was interested in there being a kind of a broader civic participation across the kind of strata of Roman society, and Cicero was really really not into that. And like we can't obviously we can't psychologize about him beyond anything. Yeah, there's sorry. It's really it's really hard to separate the kind of idealistic aspects of of the late Republican populists. So like land redistribution is one of their big things. Mm. The, the, exactly as you said, Phoebe, bringing people more into the, the, the people more into the political process in this mixed constitution. Um, it's really hard to separate that from the fact that the people could potentially be a route to great power for a politician, mm. right? So this is kind of the eternal question about these guys, whether it's, uh, whether it's the, the Gracchi, uh, whether it's Marius and the and the Marians in the Civil War, whether it's Caesar uh, or Catiline, um, whether they're really for the people or whether they're promising the people things in order to use the people as a as a lever to to gain more individual power within the the institutions and structures of yeah. the. Uh, of Roman politics. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because you, you don't want to sort of because because like, again, like with the with the Gracchi brothers who were some years before Cicero, but um, that you you occasionally see people trying to do a kind of Marxist reading of the Gra- of the Gracchi brothers' uh, grain reform, um, and it's sort of it, it's like it's a sort of a nice idea, but it's also it's I think I think wishful thinking. But I do wonder, um, like I said, I don't want to psychologize. And the only the only real proof that we have of any of this is from in Cicero's own words. And fortunately, he has left us loads. I think it's it's something like three quarters of all Latin literature from that period is Cicero, I think. Mm -hmm. It's that like it's, right. it's something yeah. like that. It's and this is because it was rediscovered in the Renaissance by Petrarch, another poster who Huge poster. Huge poster. Huge poster. <laughs> it's all just posters. It's posters all the way down. Um, like, you know, when we started the show and we we're like, oh, the motto should be everything is posting. I don't think we really <laughs> appreciated quite how um quite how correct and historically borne out that was going to be. 
It's but, it's a much more correct way of doing intellectual history is to think of it in terms of posts. Like well, that's what that's, I think. this is well, <laughs> seriously, like if you think about if you think about it in terms of posting and posters reposting and taking ideas from old posts, that is a much more honest way of thinking about intellectual history than like great intellectual traditions of blah 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 that exist trans historically. Like, no, fuck that. Mm, like yeah, there's no, fuck that. It, it's, it's 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 posting. It's all it's it's, it's posts all, all the way down. It's all posting. Um yeah, I sort of don't want to don't want to psychologize, but you do sort of wonder if somebody who had such a kind of who had such a kind of set of anxieties about um about his own position, about being around these, you know, these kind of these sort of sons of these great lines, that I think he worried that if there was any kind of um broader civic participation of kind of ordinary people, then people like him would would be kind of would be edged out because if every anyone can do it, then then no 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 he's a he's a he's a big ladder pull pull upper is is mm-hmm. is Cicero. He's also he's also not a soldier. He's not a particularly he's not a brave person. He's not. I mean, admittedly, he. I mean, his final his final act. I think his. I think was. I mean, I think it was foolish, but I think it was it was pretty brave. He could have he could he could have said, okay, you know what, I. I I understand that that my side has has lost the republic is is finally after after 150 years of um after 150 years of kind of, of serious psychic uh, psychic and structural damage I uh, accept that the republic is now at an end and Antony what would you what would you have me what would you have me do and he he doesn't he gambles he takes his final gamble and he does yeah he posts himself into death because he's still he he uh, he's quite cowardly about danger. But apart from this one last sort of one last hurrah, it's sort of quite interesting. I think it's this this act of posting nobility at the end of uh, at the end of Cicero's <laughs> life. Like I want to I want to read one line or, yes. or one one little section of the of the Philippics. This is one of the most famous yeah, sections of it. It's the second Philippic. Um, so. We don't need to get into the background of the Philippics or what they're modeled on, but long story short, there is a there is a tradition of giving speeches about um, tyrannical or bad political figures, and Cicero is placing himself in this tradition, and essentially you are directly addressing the target of your invective, um, the target of the the target, and so that in this case is Mark Antony. So he's he says he he talks a little bit in kind of general terms about the about the bad stuff that he's done, and then he says. Um, so what did I say that was insulting? Dot dot dot. He talks. He talks some some about this stuff when everything was on sale at your house by the most infamous traffic. When you confessed that those laws which had never been promulgated had been passed with reference to you and by you. When you, being augur, had abolished the auspicace, being consul, had taken away the power of interposing the veto. And here's where it gets real good. When you were escorted in the most shameful manner by armed guards, when worn out with drunkenness and debauchery, you were every day performing all sorts of obscenities in that chaste house of yours. Ah, oh, um, that's, that's fuck a, him up, Cicero. Yeah, <laughs> it goes, yeah, and, and there's there's a lot like that where it it's uh it it would have the it would have folks on Twitter yelling ad hominem ad hominem. <laughs> um, so uh yeah there's but but you can see why it got Antony real mad and should we should we talk a little bit what it, what is Cicero's eventual fate where does this end where does this lead him he, Yeah I did I I did yeah, I did yeah, like yeah. think that like the, the line that he says before he dies is like one of the funniest things that I've I've come across in a while but please like before we get to that point yeah let, let's talk about the what what were the conditions? Uh, what what was the final what was the final post that was just like this man is too dangerous or too annoying, whichever one, <laughs> <laughs> whichever. Yeah. So this is so he does a whole series of these Philippics. He does fourteen of them, um, and they go on and on and on and on <laughs> and on and on. 
Um, and there's like the Senate at one point is trying to make peace with Mark Antony and Cicero is orating against that. Um, he stacks in more personal insults. He manages to talk through, he, he manages to reference every single one of his old beefs, really calling back to the he hits. Does. With guys he, like does. Clodius. He, play, he plays all the hits. Clodius, um, I think Catalan's in there. Catalan gets um, in there. He's like, he has a kind of uneasy, he has an uneasy relationship with at least one of the Scipios because he, um, and also an uneasy relationship with Cato. Another, oh, another poster. Another poster. Another yeah. Poster. He, like this is, it's him. It's not even him saying mods. It's him. Um, it's him like posting a big list of like, here's who's blocked me. Here, mm-hmm. here, who, here is who was too scared to debate me. Yeah, I, I mean, the there, king there's of the a lot of highway. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a lot of Ben Shapiro energy in in the Philippics. Yes, there. Oh, there really, really is. Yeah, there really is. Yeah. And, and do you want? And do you but, want to tell us what eventually happened? What what, yeah, what, what, the, so what was the poster's death? And like, to be honest with you, I have not heard of any poster having a death like this. So maybe no, people should think on. Yeah, this is there's there's probably a lesson here for those who are for for those who are looking for one, uh, which is that eventually. So after there's how many Philippics? There's 14 14, different Philippics, 14 different Philippics. Um, They run to many, many, many thousands of words of, um, you know, more or less uh, strident invective. And um, eventually Cicero is forced to flee the city of Rome. He thinks he's going to get away. Uh, A soldier catches up with him and Cicero's like, okay, I guess I'm just done running. Uh, He bares his neck. uh, He gets his head cut off. uh, He's beheaded by this soldier. The soldier then also cuts off his hands, takes his head and his hands to the forum where they are hung from the rostra. That's this is the speaker's platform that all the that all the orators used to address uh, to address people in the forum. So this is uh, so this is where Cicero ends up, his head and his hands addressing the crowd one last time. Yeah. Yeah. It, like it, it is. It's a yeah, it's a warning to all other posters. But it's also, I think, probably what he sort of would would want that sort of his kind of proud mm. last stand he lived as a poster he dies as a poster it's yeah. the poster's last stand yeah <laughs> one thing i was like thinking about when i was like doing bits of reading um was and this kind of goes back to like what kind trying to locate like what kind of poster is cicero and it seems in my mind that like one of the guys that you could sort of project a little bit onto is the is, the, is like Kind of a mixture of like the return guy, but also the sort of norms guy, the type of guy, yeah. the type of like online person who's very much just like kind of bleating about the importance of like the institutions and the importance of like, and mm-hmm. kind of like lots of his fixations are on people that he believes have kind of corrupted what was effectively like the perfect form of governance. And I think he like, mm-hmm. I remember reading, I don't know if it was in a letter or whether it was in one of the speeches, but his kind of idea that the Roman system was the kind of like the perfect system to manage a civilization and any of the problems with it were not to do with the system or to do with Rome, but to do with like mischievous individuals, people who weren't virtuous. His idea, I think as you alluded to, Patrick, like a little Mm -hmm. bit earlier, like how he sort of conceives of virtue. I guess I wanted to ask like in terms of how he views institutions and norms and who he feels is kind of like corrupting this and how he kind of almost sees himself as like a vanguard of like, upholding those virtues is it sort of accurate to kind of say that really what like a lot of his kind of writing and a lot of his like oratory is really just getting mad at people that he believes are not kind of performing well enough or like performing enough to sort of like make the system um run as normal like is he in denial i guess about like the sort of impending collapse of rome yeah so what what cicero's it, it, this comes back to Cicero's conception of of what correct behavior was, mm-hmm. right? And so there's in Cicero's mind there is a moral aspect as well as an educational aspect as well as a performative aspect that goes along with with doing like these are all the correct things you have to do. You have to observe the correct forms in all things. So he's not he's not a reactionary, right. if that makes sense. He's right. not like trying to try, try like 
you know, or a fundamentalist or like trying to bring back some long lost idealized set of principles. It's that he thinks this is a constant strain that makes Rome what it is and that we need to we need to reinforce that strain and like condemn what doesn't adhere to that, whether that's in terms of personal behavior or whether that's in terms of political behavior. There isn't a sharp dividing line between those two things in Cicero's rhetoric, what somebody does in the political sphere and what somebody does in the personal sphere. Hence the attacks on, on Antony's drunkenness and debauchery, mm-hmm. right? Like those two things, like if, if you lack private virtue, you will lack public virtue mm-hmm. as well in, in Cicero's mind. So, so in his, in his world, a statesman has to keep a morally correct mode of behavior in private in order to be able to uphold the norms, institutions, laws, and the way that they're supposed to. So, so to your point, Kusai, the uh, I think you're exactly right about the the parallel with the um, with kind of like hashtag resist people. Um, mm. and, and the idea that all of this is just down to, you know, there's bad actors and, you know, there are some good ones out there. It, there's, it, it's okay to have political disagreements, but what we can't have is these just, just awful people who do this, who, who have sex with the porn stars. And like, we can't have that as, mm. as if there aren't deeper structural problems yeah. going on, but Cicero would not be able to think in terms of there being deep structural problems be- with the Roman way of doing things, because then there would be no place for a Cicero, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> just sorry, I'm just kind of yeah. sort of zoned out a little bit, sort of thinking about like maybe I should write something about the Trumpian Caesar. Um, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that. No. That feels like something that I only like. That I only well, like annoy yeah. my friends. <laughs> my friends with. So I'm conscious about time because Pat, you need to go like pretty soon. So I guess as like a way of wrapping up, um, one of the things that you actually alluded to at the beginning of the episode was like the influence that Cicero has on like um, other thinkers, like towards the you know, the Enlightenment period, Renaissance period, but also just like the kind of the ways in which Cicero has been imagined and reimagined over history to. Um, for other posters, I guess, like other kinds of posters. I wondered whether you could elaborate a bit on like Cicero's legacy. Um, how is his like writing sort of interpreted in other periods of history by other posters actually? And like, was, is he sort of considered to be a quote unquote, a good poster? Is he sort of seemed to just be like, is his work more about kind of like, is it more of like a vibes related thing? Is it more about kind of like allying or at least sort of like bringing yourself with affinity to Cicero to sort of like make yourself feel much smarter than you actually are? Like, yeah, what, I guess just kind of neatly wrap that up. Like what would you sort of kind of suggest is Cicero's legacy as a poster throughout like other periods of time? So I'll give you one, I'll give you one brief example as an entry point to understanding just how influential Cicero was. So the reason that the, the type that we use looks the way that it does, the, the letter, the actual letter forms that are kind of everywhere in our society for the, for the Latin alphabet, the reason those look the way they do is because when the Renaissance humanists, especially Petrarch and, and his contemporaries rediscovered Cicero, they thought that the uh, th- this is all based on a form of script called Carol- uh, Carolingian minuscule, which is what the manuscripts of Cicero that they found were written in. Um, and they thought that those were the original manuscripts. And that was the way that Cicero had originally written it. And if that was the way that Cicero had originally written it, then that was the correct way that letters should be formed and made. So humanist script is based on Carolingian minuscule because the humanists thought it was Cicero's script. They thought that was the way that Cicero had written. And so Cicero embodies all of the things that you mentioned to these later generations. They, he embodies the vibes. He embodies <laughs> the correct way of living. He embodies the correct relationship between um, ph- philosophy and statecraft. Um, and, mm. and also the kind of cultured life that goes along with that. We can't understate that. The, Cicero's letters are just as influential as Cicero's uh, orations and the other texts that he wrote because they're thought to embody the private side of life that the that a correct statesman, um, a, a morally virtuous statesman is supposed to bring to, to the table, right? Like you're supposed to live like that in private in order to be able to perform publicly your public duties to the state. And this is incredibly influential with Renaissance humanists um, in Italy. I mean, and for them, you know, it's also a marker of social status, right? That like, if you could be conversant with Cicero, then you belong in the circles of people who are making decisions about how to run Florence in the in the 
15th century. Which right? would like make Cicero so happy. It would have made him was, so happy. That, that, he, that he for centuries afterwards turned mm-hmm. into a class marker. That's yes. like, that would have been his, his dream. Mm-hmm. In fact. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet, that, it's quite sweet. It's quite nice. Yeah, Cicero, Cicero did win in the long run. Yeah. Like, oh, the, yeah, he yeah, may yeah. have gotten his head and his hands cut off, but Cicero absolutely won. Yeah. And, 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 his, and, and his account of, of Antony is the one that survives. It's the, the one canonical that comes, account of it's Antony. It's the canonical yeah. account of Antony. It's how we think of him. There was sort of some, some attempts by Shakespeare to kind of correct that a little bit, but it, re- it really failed. People... Antony is the is the James Purefoy in in the kind of contemporary imagination again like correctly I think yeah and our whole I mean the the same is true of all of late Republican Rome like our our understanding of late Republican Rome is inseparable from Cicero's view of late Republican Rome yeah absolutely um, not like unless you are an absolute specialist who has spent absolute decades studying texts like the like the little electioneering pamphlet that that Cicero's brother wrote and the other kind of fragmentary fragmented sources of that age your view is almost by default Cicero's and your view of the early republic is almost by default Cicero's so there it, it's impossible to overstate how important he is or how big that legacy is. Mm. And it all comes down to what a remarkable poster he was. Um, Would have been just, by way of conclusion, I just want to point out, he would have been absolutely fucking insufferable. Like you would not have wanted to spend time with him at all. He sucked deeply. Absolutely. Yeah, he absolutely (laughs) sucked. But I think there's a decent argument that, uh, that being a kind of kind of congenial, personality is completely and is completely like um antagonistic to being a good poster that's true that's that's a hundred percent correct so, if you're somebody that people want to be around you're probably not drawn then you're, then to posting you're, then you're, then you're post- <laughs> stink. If, yeah. you're, if you're like nice and chill then your posts are terrible then you're, you're then you're just the yeah. ordinary people memes account like and I imagine like Cicero was probably aware. I mean, like another thing I was thinking I, I I wanted to ask like very, very quickly was like, did Cicero sort of know that people would just, you know, like, did he could did he think he was popular in Rome? Or like was he sort of aware that there were probably people who like sort of hated his guts? Interesting. He was pretty aware. He was he, pretty he, aware. He, he, yeah. was, he was aware, but he was not, but he did not respect their opinion. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, they and, were, and, they and, were and, his and, they yeah. were his haters. It wasn't yeah, that it he went wasn't, to absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't worried about his haters. No, that's the haters part is is so perfect because the the fact that he got all of the the critiques that he got never caused Cicero to reflect in any way, shape, or form on the no. things that he did, said, or believed. No. Yeah, Ever. in many I, ways, I, I based on some of the letters that I read, it sort of made it feel like actually he really enjoyed the fact that he had haters. Yeah. Yes. And he liked and he liked sniping at them and he liked kind of talking about them while he was defending people in court, yeah. which like is great. It's yeah. great. And like it just ultimately shows that he does have the heart of a poster. And I Absolutely. and I I, I respect I respect that. A true um, poster never forgets a beef, and Cicero never forgot a beef. Never. That's right. Never he, if he didn't, if it's one didn't, he didn't yeah. squash one beef. The, chi- the chickpea does not squash the beef. <laughs> is this, if there's one lesson you can take from this episode, it is never forgive your haters, never forget about your haters. Make sure you write it down. Write it down in uh, Latin. Write it down in Carolingian minuscule. Like just yeah. do, and then write, maybe, write, and then maybe yeah. people will be reading you in two thousand years time. So that's right. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, on that note, we should probably end the show because Patrick doesn't need to go. Uh, but Patrick, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you so much for talking about Cicero with us. Um, I know I mentioned some of the things that you did uh, up at top, but is there anything that you'd like to plug? No, hi, you you covered it all. It was as always an absolute pleasure talking to y'all. This was so much fun, um, and uh, thank you for giving me an excuse to read through some of Cicero's absolute bitchiest work. One no, more I mean, like, I'm sure like both of us would love would love you to come back on and like as from what from what I've sort of gathered, there are lots of Romans that we need to talk about. There, in there's this, a lot of posters. Series. So who knows? Maybe we can make like another. Maybe we could make like a compilation of this stuff at I'm some point. Romans. I would love that. <laughs> um, Phoebe, do you want to plug anything before we close out? Uh, yeah, as we said about up top, um, 
you can now uh, you can now buy uh, Roamcast on Bandcamp, which uh, I recorded with Pat and Milo, uh, which is uh, where we take a look back at uh, the HBO series Rome. Um, the first episode is available for free, and then the rest of it is um, fifteen dollars for the whole series, or two dollars per episode. And the uh, link to that will be in the show notes. Uh, subscribe to my Substack. Listen to my Seinfeld podcast. Just follow me around the content mine drinking up drinking up my juice that would be my that's my (laughs) (laughs) that's my instruction for for the hogs that's right um this show is produced by devon follow them at devon underscore on earth if you don't already listen to kill james bond if you don't already uh drink all their content juice uh you know (laughs) just slurp just slurp it up slurp it up I'm it's really uncomfortable. With, I'm really uncomfortable yeah. with the content juice metaphor here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't look. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like saying it either. But I felt like once once it was out there, it's it it you, you can't get rid of it. Unfortunately, uh, in in for a penny, um, in for a pound. That's like, right. Yeah, that's a good point. as well. Um, and thank you for listening to this free episode of 10,000 Posts. Remember, we have lots of good bonus content on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 10K Post Podcast. Uh, five bucks a month, you help us to uh, run the show, help us to run the show without ads, and to help us keep doing what we're doing. And we really appreciate that. Um, yeah, so go check that out. Uh, and there's a lot of really fun content on there. Yeah. I think on that note, we'll close out. So until next time, have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.